Can we talk about uh, Mary and Joseph? Let's talk about Mary and Joseph. Um, so Linda was, was reading Luke chapter 2, and it's a story that you've heard before. Uh, basically, um, Mary and Joseph were going from point A to point B. And maybe when you, you heard it, you were thinking, oh, that's a nice story, right? Because we've heard it before. It's part of the nativity story. But what I wanted to do this morning is actually, if you look closer at this story and you kind of study some of the details, it's not a nice story. <laughs> it's actually a pretty crazy story. So why don't we do a little bit of analyzing and showing a little bit of the details. Now, here's a map of ancient Palestine, okay? You see that? You see near the top, you see a Nazareth? Uh, raise your hand if you see it. Okay. And if someone next to you doesn't see it, you can point. I don't know if that's going to be helpful. But it's there, okay? It's there near the top. Now, now if you look towards the bottom, there's Bethlehem. Now, I want you to know that that trip from Nazareth to Bethlehem is, I mean, the distance between them is about 80 miles. But, <clears throat> but there's a region between them. And what's that region? Starts with an S, ends with Amaria. Samaria, right? Now, if you know a little bit of Bible history, you know that Jews don't like Samaritans, and Samaritans don't like how the Jews didn't like them, right? So there's animosity between these two groups. So if you travel down Samaria, they may not feed you, they may not... Um, uh, give you shelter. They may even abuse you in, in a certain kind of way because of the animosity. So a good Jew is going to go around Samaria. So now if you go around Samaria, now we're not talking about 80 miles. We're talking about 100 miles. How many of you in the past couple weeks walked 100 miles? No one. You probably drove more than that, but you didn't walk 100 miles. Now, Okay, so 100 miles. Now, this gets a little bit more complicated, okay? Now, why is it complicated? Because of Mary. There was a big problem. I mean that literally, okay? <laughs> big problem. What, what was the problem? Mary was in her third trimester. Mary was in her third trimester. Now, how do we know that? Well, because when they arrived in Bethlehem, there was no room for them in the inn. And you got to kind of wonder, well, why was there no room in Maybe a really good reason is because they were in a hurry. Something happened on the way. It was urgent. Okay, so if it was urgent, that means they left when she was in her third trimester. Now, how many of you remember uh, being, like, that pregnant, <laughs> you know? Uh, first trimester, you, you know, there's morning sickness, but your body's limber. Third trimester, not so limber. It's pretty heavy, pretty big. Uh, things are kind of awkward. Uh, women can... Uh, uh, gained uh, 35 pounds of beautiful weight, right? But 35 pounds is what? Like three bowling balls? That is a lot of weight. When, when Raina was in her third trimester, uh, she had back problems because it was so heavy on the front end. And then when she was sleeping, she couldn't sleep on her back. She had to sleep on one side, on the other side. Very awkward, all right? Now, here's a picture just to bring back that memory or to give you a new one, okay? <laughs> that... that let that image be blazing in your mind. Okay, now, now, let's, let's keep on going. This is, it gets increasingly more interesting. Don't worry, Mary. We got, like, really good transportation for you. The transportation, this excellent source of transportation, is probably going to come in the form of an ass. Now, I can say that. I mean the donkey kind of ass, okay? Here's a donkey, right? Donkey. 
Now I want you to think about this, okay? A donkey is her transportation, right? She's that pregnant. She's that awkward. She's sitting on this donkey for about 100 miles. One more detail. Uh, Normally when we think of, you know, uh, white Christmas and, 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 and Jesus being born, I hate to burst anyone's, like, sentimental bubble, but it probably didn't happen in winter. And it wasn't snowing. It probably happened towards the tail end of summer. So instead of snowing, it was probably really hot, sweltering heat. Okay, now, this is where I just want to... It's not a very pretty story. It's not very nice, but I just want you to imagine. Okay, let's say you were Mary, and you have your American sensibilities. How would you be feeling about this whole arrangement? How would you... How would you what would you say when you hear about, oh, you got to go from point A to point B because Caesar Augustus decreed it? What would you think Mary would say? Have you ever thought of that? No, I think she might say, listen, um, <laughs> okay, I'm, I, I'm, I'm, I'm in my third trimester. I feel, I feel big. I feel awkward. It, actually, it's very awkward just to walk. And you're telling me I got to go 100 miles on an ass? Really? Are you serious about this? And what if we're going there and the ass were just to randomly kick and I were to fall down on my baby in my womb, right? I don't know where we're going. Where are we going to sleep, Joseph? Is this going to be safe? I want you to think about this. What do you think she's going through her mind? This is crazy. Is it even healthy for my baby to ride on a donkey for 10 days? Um, I don't think I like this arrangement. This sounds pretty crazy. Right? Now, I just want to ask you, have you guys been there? Have you guys been recently been there recently where there are some things going on in life and it seems sort of out of control and you just feel like, God, what are you doing? What is going on? You guys been there recently? I, I was there about a year ago. Now, I, I've, I've told you this. Some people don't know, but I suffer from chronic voice problems. So the, the, the jaw muscles in my face, they get really uncomfortable. And when I talk, it's really hard to talk. And I was doing really good like a year ago. I got into this rhythm of preaching once a week. I'm just like, this is good. This is sustainable. And then I went on a missions trip, came back, was stressed. There was jet lag, preached my heart out, and I felt like I re-injured my voice. I was in a really, really bad place. Now, I, I, it's hard for me to describe what it's like to be a preacher with a bum voice, but it's kind of like being Steph Curry with, you know, like, I don't know, a bum arm, or being like a pitcher with a bum arm. No, I can do better than that. Being a soccer player with a bum foot, okay? That's what it's like. And so I was in this place a year ago just going, God, I was in the sustainable rhythm. What are you doing? My life just feels out of control. Can you guys relate to that? For some of us, maybe it's with our kids. There's something in the lives of our children. Maybe it's health-related. Maybe it's with school. Maybe it's behavioral. But you just feel like that is out of control. How many of it's with aging parents? You have aging parents, and you're just like, you know, they used to be robust and strong, and now I look at them, and they're, they're, they're just wasting away, and... You just feel like that part of your life is totally out of control. Or maybe, maybe, it's, maybe it's your marriage. Maybe it's at work. 
You guys ever feel really out of control at work? Maybe you're getting some criticism at work. Things are not going the way you want them to go. Maybe it's school. Maybe it's with your parents. Maybe it's relationships. I remember being single, and I was just like, you know, I would, my friends were, were just like, were, were getting married. I remember going to their wedding and just being like, God, what is going on? Am I ever going to get married? Am I ever going to find my soulmate? And maybe you're there too. Like, Lord, what is going on? Well, I, uh, I want to talk to you if you're there. But even if you're not there now, it's not a question of if that's going to happen to you. It's really more a matter of what, when. It will happen to you where you feel like areas of your life are spinning out of control. And you're just like, God, what is going on? Now, if that's you, I got really good news for you. Okay? Now, now, now bear with me one second, okay? Where I'm going, and you probably figured out from the title of the message, is relax. God is in charge. Okay? But if I say that too early, it's going to kind of feel like this picture, okay? People have told you that when you're in this situation and there's anxiety, and you're like, you're like, that's not helpful, right? It it feels like, for people who can't see, it feels like uh, you're one penguin talking to another penguin, but half of your body is engulfed by this fish that is trying to swallow you up. And the other dude is saying, relax, God's in charge. And you're like, thank you very much. You know, right? You're like, that's not helpful. <clears throat> now, let me say this, and this is how the world thinks. The world will come, to, come up to you and say, hey, relax, don't worry, everything will be okay, right? It's kind of like the, the power of positive thinking. Now, I'm just going to say that I'm not saying that to you. Because if there's no substance behind those words, it's kind of empty words. It's really going nowhere. I have nothing to base Uh, my confidence that things are going to be okay just by positive thinking. Well, I got good news for all of us here. And today, I'm like treading on holy ground. I know this doctrine is way above me, but I'm going to try to really uh, faithfully represent uh, the doctrine of God's sovereignty because it is that amazing. Okay, now I'm treading holy ground here, but I, I truly, truly believe that if you listen and you really deeply, uh, through God's power, understand the doctrine of God's sovereignty, it is going to set a foundation for your life and you can have joy no matter what circumstance. You can have undefeatable joy. I really believe that if you listen to this message, and you really start to meditate on God's sovereignty, it has the power to change your life. Those are not empty words, okay? But we're talking about God's sovereignty, and so you ask the question, when you talk about God's sovereignty, what do you mean by that? And what I actually want to do, and we're going to do this pretty quickly, is I'm going to kind of roll out eight elements, eight aspects to God's sovereignty. So when we say God is sovereign, it's really a combination of all these eight things working together. Now, if you look at them together, they work in a wonderful, amazing, powerful interplay. So I really don't want to shortchange it. I'm going to give it all eight. But the guarantee here is that if you really understand this, oh my gosh, to the level you understand this, 
will be to the level that you will have joy and you will be poised in life, okay? And for all those of you who are suffering, for all those of you who are worried about something, man, this is good news. Okay, so let's go. God's sovereignty. You guys ready? Let's try that again. (laughs) You guys ready? Okay, let's have faith. Let's have faith that really if we go deep in this, it has that power to change our lives, okay? Number one, he is, what do you think that one is? He is before all things. He is before all things, okay? What was there before the creation of the world? The answer is God. What was there before the creation of the universe, if you believe in the Big Bang? Answer is God. When you walk into a scary situation, who is there before you came? And the answer is God. He is before all things. We're going to go fast. He created all things. Number three, he upholds all things. Now, what does that mean? There's this wonderful verse in Colossians that talks about Jesus. And it says, he holds all things together. So I just want you to think about this. All the molecules in your body are being held together by Jesus. If you're in a marriage, that covenant is being held together by Jesus. Uh, Number four, he knows all things. Let's have fun with this one. He knows all things. I want you to think of a number between one and a hundred, okay? You're all thinking number between one and a hundred. I'm going to do the same thing, okay? And I'm going to go first. And my number is e bai su yi fen. Does anyone understand what I just said? Because I don't really know what I just said, actually. No, I, I just said in Chinese, I said 111, right? And I know that's not, that's not, that's over 100. But my point is that God knew I was going to break the rules. And he knew I was going to break the rules in Chinese. And whatever you thought, he knew that number. That's God's omniscience, okay? He knows all things. Okay, number five, he can do all things. Anyone watch the Warriors last night? I mean, speaking about being bummed, anyone kind of bummed out about that? Even the Warriors have limits. I know, hard to believe. Even Steph Curry has limits. God has no limits. God would have won that game last night. <laughs> God can win all 80 games. It's actually, is it 80? Is it 80? 82. 82, and then he would sweep everyone to the finals, and then he would do that for eternity because God can do all things. Okay, number, number six. He accomplishes all things. He orchestrates everything. Now, there's something about this that's really, really precious. Listen to this. God has the power in himself to take something very bad, and to work it for your good. Maybe you can actually say that's where you can hang your coat on God's sovereignty, that he can take the bad things happening in your life and work it out for a really, really good purpose. He does that. He can do that, and he does that. Um, He rules, that's second to last, and then the last one. Now, I want to say the last one. If I were to summarize God's sovereignty in four words, it would actually be the last definition. Because I don't, I don't, I mean, I can't memorize eight things. But really, it's the beautiful interplay of all that eight that really gives you the sense of the amazing God that God is. But, but for the sake of simplicity, if I were to reduce it to one quality, it would be the next one. Okay, and this is what I actually want you to remember coming out of this message. When we talk about God's sovereignty, the foundation of our joy, it actually is as simple as this. God is in control. 
That's the best way I can summarize his, uh, his sovereignty. So there's this part of your life. Maybe it's your kids. Maybe it's school. Could you guys just uh, take your finals? Okay, the school. It's school. There, I got you. It's school, okay? Maybe it's aging parents. Maybe it's your finances. Maybe it's your job. But the good news for us is that God is in control. Like This part of my life, I feel so out of control. There's anxiety. There's worry. I can't sleep. The good news is that God is in full control. Now, those are powerful words. If you really believe that, that's the foundation of your joy. So why don't you say it with me? God is in control. One more time. God is in control. God is in full control. God is in full control. Recently, actually, it was uh, just last week, last Sunday, I did something, my family actually did something we've never done before. Uh, I went to my very first piano recital. My kids played at their very first piano recital. That was just last week. Just last week. And it was funny because uh, we had to leave a meeting. And so we went to this recital. And really, it was just a small room, maybe like half the pews right here, right? But it was packed. It was packed. There was people there. Every seat that they had, people were filling that seat. It was packed. And so the room was filled with all this energy, like nervous energy. So I come into the room, right? It's packed. There's not a, there's not a seat for us. And I'm just standing there right in, like, in, in the entrance area because there's no, no place to go. And my kids are there, and we're watching different kids perform. And I'm looking at my kids, and I just have this sense that they're really nervous. So I whisper to them. I said, I said, Ryan, Christopher, if you're nervous, Dad can pray for you. Do you want me to pray for you? And, and Ryan looked up at me and said, no. But he was nervous, and I know he was nervous because there was a lineup of all the people who were going. And after each person went, Ryan would look at the lineup again. And I'm like, looking at it, it doesn't change anything, you know. It's just another person there, but he kept on looking at it. I knew he was nervous. And then one of my boys went up, and it was their turn to play. Now, I don't know if you remember the song, Aura Lee. Aura, does that ring a bell, Aura Lee? Okay, it, it, okay, you don't remember. It, it goes like this. It goes. Okay, okay, it goes like this. It goes, it goes, it goes. It goes. Lower. You guys know it. You guys are shaking your head. It's kind of a lullaby, right? So one of my boys came up. Right? And there's, there's all this, you know, it was first time ever in front of this crowd of people. And, and he, he went like this. And, and, and then he had this introduction and they went. He was like that. Right? You know that was off, right? Yeah, I knew it too. And I'm sitting there like recording like, oh, right? And then, and then pause. And my son, who was so bold, just started over again. And it was an awkward pause. And then he started 
over again. And then he did it over. Every time he made a mistake, he just went back and did it over again, right? And so I'm literally just like, yeah, that's my son. He doesn't give up, right? And so he's done. Now the whole room is just applauding, right? Because they, they feel sorry for him, right? They're just like, they're like yeah, they're, they're all applauding. And I grab my son and I kiss him on the head. I'm like, so proud of you because you never gave up and you were bold, right? And, and that's, that's, what, that's what happened. And that it, was, it was an amazing event. And I started to think about this, like... Um, Right? And you don't necessarily like that. You're like, ugh, I don't like that in my life. Right? But if the person who is playing is a master, that minor chord is there because it's leading to a major chord. That's great. Why did that sound so good? You're wondering. Well, um, okay, I'm, uh, music is somewhat new to me, but, but in general, I know that the minor chord is there. We may not like that. It's filled with tension, but the minor chord is there, and it leads to a major chord that where there's release and there's celebration with the major chord. But here's the thing. The major chord does not sound as brilliant or as beautiful if it didn't have the what? The minor chord. Right now, this thing in your life that's spinning out of control, there's tension, it's a minor chord. You don't like it. But can you trust that the composer of your life is a master composer? And it's there because it's, it's going to be resolved in the major chord. Can you believe that? Can you trust that God is the master pianist and the master composer, and he is going to make your life a masterpiece if you would just trust him and surrender that life? Can you do that? Can you have that faith that the composer of my life is a master composer? He knows what he's doing, and he's in control. You know, normally when you're going through a minor chord, you don't know why you're going through a minor chord. I think that's just reality. When you're going through something terrible, and and you're wondering, like, God, what are you doing? Most of the time when you're in that spot, you don't know where it's going or how it's going to be resolved or why it's happening to you. For most people, it's like that. But 
The hope is, and actually I can say the guarantee, as some time later, maybe it's five years, maybe it's 30 years, maybe it's on the other side of eternity, you will look back and you will understand why. I think there's a promise there for us. And I think the same is true for Mary. Even in this crazy decree that came in her third trimester. Now, I want you to imagine that maybe Mary was like, what in the world is going on? And she didn't understand. But I would propose to you that at some point in the future, she understood. At some point in the future, she connected the dots. And when she did that, I bet you it was a really cool moment. Now, I don't know when that was, but I I think it's probably when she read the Gospel of Matthew. Now, if you read the Gospel of Matthew, the opening chapters, you have the story about the wise men coming from the Far East, right? Then they stop at Herod's and they ask for directions. Herod assembled his wise men, and basically they're asking the question, where is baby Jesus going to be born? Do you remember what the wise men said? The wise men said, well, according to the prophecy of Micah 5.2, and then they quoted this Old Testament verse. Now, when was this Old Testament verse written down? When was it said and written? 675 years before Christ. 675 years, this verse was recorded. And what does it say? And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people, Israel. I bet you that when Mary read that, it was like one of those, are you kidding me? That's what that was about? Because at the time, it didn't seem like things were spinning out of control. I didn't know this was going anywhere. But now she realized this prophecy was written by the foreknowledge of God, the sovereign God who's in full control saying, yes, this is going to happen. And then what happens? You imagine Mary, like her mind's being blown. Um, God puts it in Caesar Augustus's mind. I want to take a census. Thousands of people. These are social political forces out of people's control. Thousands of people are going to their hometown just so that Mary can go from point A to point B. And this prophecy can be fulfilled to show all the world and human history that God is in full control. And when he says something's going to happen, it is going to happen. Because he knows it all. And not despite human choices, but through them, his will is done. God is in control. God is in control. So where does that leave us? Well, I actually think it leaves us in a really, really good place. Now, if you've got crazy things going on in your life, There's a place in your life where you feel out of control, maybe work, maybe kids, maybe finances, maybe relationships. There is really good news in the sovereignty of God. God is in full control. And that means that you can go through life and you can know that nothing is going to happen to you that is not decreed or allowed by a sovereign God who loves you. Now, if you went through life and you actually, like every day, you remembered that, think of the joy you would have. You're like, well, then I would never have to worry. Absolutely. That is your gift as a Christian. You never need to worry. Whatever season, whatever's happening, 
whatever heartbreak, whatever disappointment. Why? Because God is in control and nothing will come your way that is not either decreed or allowed by a sovereign God who loves you. Now these are powerful truths and so I, I, I want to encourage you to remember them and to remember them often. So let me help you with that, okay? Tomorrow, Monday morning, you can get up and you can say these words. You can say, God is in full control. Can you guys say that with me? God is in full control. And then you can also say this, nothing can come my way. Go ahead and say that. That is not either allowed or decreed by God. God who loves me and God who will be glorified. Nothing will come my way. God has given you every resource to be unstoppable in joy. To know that whatever minor chord you're going through, he will resolve it with beauty and meaning and joy. Because that's what God does. He's in full control. Now I'm going to leave you with one video, and that video will really kind of wrap it up. But I want, I want to point this out. This video is uh, the story of a man named Nick. Nick has a pretty serious handicap, but things totally changed when he heard this one scripture where Jesus says, this man who was born blind was born blind so that the works of God can be displayed in his life. Now, what's another way of saying that? It's saying the sovereignty of God. God takes a bad thing and he works it for our good. That's the foundation of our hope and joy. So we can be brave, we can be bold, because if God is for us, what can possibly be against us? Watch this video, and then uh, the message is closed. You know, I think a lot of people are waiting on God to change the circumstance, to really be truly content in the Lord Jesus. But if you're not truly content in what Jesus has already done for you, you do not know what he's really done for you. Um, and that has set me free. And that has given me a platform to believe in miracles, but at the same time, not have to wait for miracles to happen before my joy in Jesus is true and full. Growing up in church, you know, every Sunday singing that song, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. You know, to believe that God loves us requires a lot of faith. Because I had a lot of questions. If God loved me, then why did he let me be born this way? If God can do all miracles and anything that I ask, he can do it, then why doesn't he give me arms and legs when I ask him to relieve me of my pain? I wanted to know the answer. I actually felt that God, for some reason, wasn't listening. For some reason, didn't answer my prayer. Um, and I was starting to think that he wasn't real. What was so, um, I guess, really difficult to get through were the years between ages 8 and 12. I was actually the first uh, special needs child to be integrated into a mainstream school. Um, being the only one with no arms and no legs, of course, and in a wheelchair, I had a lot of unwanted attention, um, feeling depressed, feeling alone. 
And at age 10, I actually tried to commit suicide by drowning myself in six inches of water in my family bathtub. After a whole day of being bullied and teased, I just didn't want to live anymore. By the grace of God, on the third time I rolled over in my family bathtub, I saw my mum and my dad crying at my grave. I saw that pain that I would leave behind, and I decided to stay. I went through depression because no one could heal my heart. No money, no amount of friends, no amount of education or things that I quote-unquote needed to get through my daily life. It just couldn't heal my heart. Finally, at age 15, God answered my prayer. It was when I read John chapter 9. A man was born blind, born with a disability that no one could actually explain. And that sort of sounded familiar to me. People asked Jesus, why was this man born blind? And Jesus said it was done so that the works of God would be revealed through him. And faith came over me. Hearing of the word produces faith. It is a gift. It is not a focus that you can muster up inside. It is a gift given from God when you hear the promises through His Word. And that changed my life. He healed my heart and now I can be an instrument in His hand to let people know as a miracle, seeing His strength perfected in my weakness that would have otherwise been not as powerful it's more powerful seeing a man without arms and legs smiling than someone who got their miracle. What about for the people who didn't get their miracle? And for anyone who's watching right now who thinks that God doesn't have a purpose and what can God ever do with me? Well, look what God did with me. If God can use a man without arms and legs to be his hands and feet, there is not one person watching this program where God can't use their broken pieces too. Now I want to quote Romans 8:28, where it says, All things come together for the good for those who love Him. You know, I thought that the greatest burden in my life was my circumstance. It is not. The greatest burden in your life is not your circumstance. The greatest burden in your life is you not being able to see your life clearly through God's eyes, knowing that He knows that He's going to be with you and He's going to pull you through, that all things come together for the good. Even the worst part of your life up to this point, God is so big, so mighty, so gracious that He can turn it into some good. If I was born without arms and legs and God did not give me arms and legs miraculously for one soul, bring it on. I have a, a, a question, just a little bit of a reflection. You know, Nick in this story, if he was born a normal, you know, two arms, two legs, do you think he would have actually touched thousands and thousands of people? 
And I think the answer is probably not. But God has this amazing way of taking something very bad and working out something very, very good. And it was even better because it was so bad to begin with. And that takes us to the cross. The death of Jesus was really awful. A perfect man, perfect man, was slaughtered, was murdered. But God has a way of taking something that's awful because he is a sovereign God and working it out for everyone's good. It's through the death of Jesus that we receive his grace and we receive forgiveness of sins. That couldn't have happened any other way. God had to go through the really, really bad so that we could go through the really, really good. And that is the good news of the gospel. And because of his incredible sacrifice, Jesus, on the evening of his betrayal and his arrest, instituted a a supper, and he asked us to practice this. And so we're going to form two lines, and you are invited to take a piece of bread to dip it into the juice. And as you do so, you are remembering the death, the sacrifice, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We are remembering the power of the sovereign God to take something awful and to work it for everyone's good. And it's here that we celebrate God's sovereign power in doing this. What we'd like to do is actually um, invite you, after you take communion, to my right or to my left. We want to invite you just to kneel down and just say a prayer to the Lord. Maybe it will be a prayer of thanksgiving. Maybe it will be a prayer of confession. I don't know, but this would be a great time for you just to have a great interaction with God. It doesn't have to be long. It could be short. You just ask that it's sincere and from your heart. So everyone is invited to the Lord's table to enjoy and to celebrate the meaning of his sacrifice and God's power to take something very bad and to work for our good. I will pray, we'll bless the elements, and then you're invited to come down. Dear Father God, we celebrate the death of your son because it is through his death that he brought life and joy and hope and meaning to billions and billions of people. I thank you, God, for your great power. And not only are you powerful, but you are good, and you steward that power out of the character of your goodness. And we celebrate that here at your table. Thank you for the death, the sacrifice, and the resurrection of your son. And because he lives, we live with him too. In Jesus' name we pray.